<laughs> you can you can take that out, right? Oh, are you recording now? Yeah, I just pressed it and then it just came out of nowhere. <laughs> okay. Welcome to our podcast. As, As a matter of black. black. I'm Bowie. And it's your boy, Team RBG, Bali. Um, there's a reggae song that I listen to that it, like at the very beginning of the startup, the is a Capiton song, he like burps. And they kept it in. I don't know why. I mean, sometimes, sometimes like, you know, the the mistakes in songs, sometimes aren't really mistakes. It's like it blends perfectly in the track. I mean, every time I listen to it, I just be like, sometimes I'm like, hmm, and then sometimes I'm like, why did they keep it in? Oh, man. I, Missy Elliott had um, tweeted something earlier this week about how she was telling, like, the people uh, on one of, she was doing, like, the demo version for one of Aaliyah songs, mm. and she was like, I forget the name of the, the song, but she was like, she told them to turn it up some because she couldn't hear the music, and Aaliyah just liked it so much. She was like, I'm going to say that in the record, too. Yeah. I mean, so a lot it happens, of people like, do that. Yeah. Michael Jackson, he was like, just look over your shoulders, honey. <laughs> His brother's like, he says shoulders. Very good. I was like, no. It's perfect. Michael, <laughs> Michael, it was perfect when you said that. I mean, Lil Wayne, I always like his blunt at the very beginning of, of his songs. Yeah. Um, Jay-Z and Jay-Z and um, Jay-Z be talking about taking the, taking the bass line out of his song, uh, Hard Knock Life. <laughs> at the beginning, he tell you, he's telling the producer to take the bass line out or something. Yeah. And um, who else? A lot of people do it. A lot of people we get talk, it. We talking to the engineer, you know yeah. what I'm saying? A lot of times it'll be a, like so natural that it actually ends up in that final product. Yeah, 2 Chainz does it. He do it a lot. So I like that actually, but I get it. Some of it doesn't need to be in there. Yeah, like rappers love to go in the studio and like hit the blunt while mm-hmm. they in there and then the cough from smoking oh, yeah. ends up in there. You know, people That's don't, cool. the cough is really like nothing that anybody's proud about, but sometimes it just, it enhances like the listening of it. Cause you're like, oh, they really did hit some weed. Yeah. Like, sometimes they just be coughing, you know, like you like bronchitis, emphysema or something, you know what I'm saying? Well, you know, yeah, lean, you know, who's counting? Yeah, man, so it's just, you you've been on this lean and this permethrin and this codeine the last few oh, episodes. It's been fitting. It's been a very fit, you know. In that purple rain. So it's good. We're back for another episode. Thanks everybody as always for listening, for sharing and rating and giving us feedback about the podcast. Yes, let's let's continue to run those numbers up. Yeah, and let's continue to share with your friends and. Follow us on Instagram and, and Instagram for right now. But Twitter page coming soon. Coming soon. Coming very soon. By the time this episode drops, we will add it in the description of the episode to go follow our Twitter page. Yeah. So it's so funny that we start out talking about music and recording and, st- and stuff because mm-hmm. I've had a really, really interesting like thought the last maybe couple of months around the music industry and what's what's happening. Please elaborate and let's pontificate on it. <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I should go ahead and mention that like I really have 
a very like sort of unorthodox um, musical taste. But my musical tastes are very diversified. Like I listen to everything and I find, I can find a bop in almost any kind of genre, even genres that don't exist. But I'm not the biggest pop culture listener. Mm-hmm. Like I always learn very, very, very late about the new girl or the new guy, the new rapper, the new R&B singer. And generally speaking, I learned about these people in social environments. So with my friends, you know, when I'm at a friend's house and somebody's curated a playlist or when I'm at the, you know, at a bar or at the club or something and a song comes on and, you know, everybody's like bopping to it. And I'm like, who's that? I'm always the who's that girl? Mm-hmm. Who's that? What, what's, what song is this? Hey, 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 what song is this? Hey, who sings this? Like, I'm that girl, which I'm fine. It's mm-hmm. fine for, for, with me to be that girl. Yeah. But, you know, with all this stuff coming out and, like, the these award shows and the BMAs and, you know, all these things kind of happening, the TikTok and Instagram and sort of having these people being pushed to the forefront, I will say that, like, I'm not the most impressed with talent these days. Um, one of the things that really a few things that frustrates me the biggest thing is like because I am a diversified musical listener and I like all genres of music and at one point in time I was trying to pursue a DJ career and can I say this (laughs) no you laughing I'm going to be real I'm listening I hope that one day when you have some time you will think about pursuing it again because yes. you really would be a good DJ. And that's from the heart. That's from the heart. Right I appreciate there. it. Yeah. Well, I think about it all the time, but I don't have time to pursue it. That's why I say when, one day when you got time. Yeah. Might be in your 50s. Go ahead and do it. It could be in my 50s, and I will. Go if ahead. It, if, it, if, it, if it's completely on my spirit in my 50s to do it, I will do it. Yep. And then by that time, I should have had time because, you know, what are you doing in your 50s? Nothing. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> So, so, okay, so back to my point. So some of the stuff that I feel like that is out now and that we've been listening to is like so on the nose when it comes to like pulling samples. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many things, you know, that you start hearing on the radio and you listen and like the immediate beat or the immediate like, musical note is from like your favorite song from back in the 90s mm-hmm. it's an Aaliyah's beat it's a juvenile beat mm-hmm. you know it's a Missy Elliott beat like you know it's a um a Maxwell beat like it's all of this stuff it's all of these you know music musical geniuses mm-hmm. beats and then people are just like singing over the beat mm-hmm. and like to me that feels like the new age genre which doesn't feel new, doesn't feel fresh, and it feels very boring. It's the new old genre. That's 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 the name for it. The new, the new reused genre. It's like the re. It's like they're reusing and washing beats, and then you don't even have the create the creativity to just pull. Like when people used to pull samples, they used to pull like a, a fourth of a note from well, a horn, or, or it might a be like a really obscure. Something really obscure. Hey, I got I got a phrase for today's music genre. What? Gently worn. 
<laughs> like the goodwill. Yeah, it's gently warm. <laughs> cheap thrills. Um, wow. So, yeah, so I feel like that's my biggest issue with today's music. Like, I was at a show the other day or at a picnic or something. And there was a, the DJ was playing a song, and it was like I think it was the one in a million beat or something. Anyway, mm. it's a new song out that samples Aaliyah's, yeah. Aaliyah's, one of Aaliyah's iconic songs. Yeah. And when you hear it, you think it's Aaliyah, except it's some lady whining over the beat. Yeah, no. That's... And I don't even know what she's talking about. It so sounds so horrible. Her voice sounds so horrible that you can't even focus on what the lady's saying. Like, what the is she beat? even talking about? She, her voice sounds so bad, you can't even understand what she's doing in the song or what she's talking about? Once you discover that it's not Aaliyah, it's like, yeah. girl, what is you doing? Yeah. And I think it's so many, and it's not even the girls, like, it's a, it's, it's a, um, I recently listened to a, a song that sampled juveniles back that, back that thing up. Mm-hmm. All, so on the nose. Like it's got a reverb or something on it, so it's like you know, like it's kind of it's got a strange like sound. I heard it. I can't remember the name of the song though. I can't either. That's be like that back there thing up song. Exactly, but it's not. It's got like a a Caribbean sort of yeah. thing going on, but the sample is just so on the nose that like if it takes away from the song because like all you can think about is I want to listen to back there thing up. Like I don't want to listen to this man rapping or you know doing patois over the back that thing up it's kind of odd um <laughs> the other thing is like some of these visuals and stuff that people was giving us these days like i remember a time where there was you know this concept of like artist development where an artist would come out kind of looking um looking a little rough around the edges you know they ain't quite have they couldn't quite find the right here to blend in, you know what I'm saying? They, they, make, they didn't have the money or the budget for a makeup mm-hmm. artist or for a stylist, you know, for somebody to give them an overall and complete look. And then as you follow them, as you follow the Beyonce's, as you follow the Rihanna's, you know, as you follow the Aaliyah's, you, you could see, uh, or even the Nicki Minaj, like Nicki Minaj too was one of them mm-hmm. who, you know, she 100% evolves into a, a brand, you know, based on her looks and all the sort of component, all the components that came along with her branding herself as the Nicki Minaj. And when people saw her on the red carpet or when people saw her at events, they saw the brand that is Nikki mm-hmm. because that she had a team and she had a budget that was able to develop her and push her into this brand. Mm-hmm. Now it's just like people is just out here all willy-nilly looking like whatever, <laughs> taking the last year's looks and the looks from the last girl and just slapping them on. I hate to say it, but the Chloe, Chloe Bailey. Mm. is as they say playing dress up Chloe Bailey reminds me of a lady reminds me of a little girl playing dress up in her mama's clothes Damn. and her mama is Beyonce oh well come on she out here playing dress up she wearing her mama's pearls she done grabbed uh, her mama's pearls Damn. 
She didn't grab her mama's old Ivy Park. <laughs> she in Yonsei clothes. I mean, she's supposed to be the protege oh, of Beyonce. Oh, call her Beyonce. I call her Beyonce. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm just talking. <laughs> like, I watched a recent video of Chloe, and I was like, this must be the old treatment from Nicki Minaj and Beyonce video back I mean, seven years ago. It, it, what, isn't she like, um, isn't is Beyonce like a mentor? To, she is the protege of Beyonce, which is fine. Yeah. Well, but you don't, that don't mean you got to be the carbon copy of Beyonce. You'll never be that. I mean, like every time I see you and you got on a, a Ivy Park outfit, all I think about is Beyonce. I don't think about Chloe. I mean, some people hate to say it, some people love it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's how people believe you sometimes. Oh. You know, like, so if you're going to model yourself after somebody, you might as well model yourself after the most successful. I, First off, people was asking like on on a uh, social media like, who is our icon? Who is our icon of this era? Who I was getting to. And the only person I could say for sure, like real talk, Beyonce. Like as far as like people talk about Prince, Michael Jackson, and Aretha and Stevie from back in the day. Yeah. From the late nineties on up to now. The only person I could, uh, for black people, the only person I can really say from the late 90s on to now, I mean, you know, Jay-Z in the hip-hop world, probably for some people, maybe Lil Wayne, but above all of them, R&B, pop, everything, I got to say Beyonce. I mean, I would have to say the same, but then I would go a step further because when Beyonce just turned 40. She did? Yeah. Wow. Looks good. Yeah. She just <laughs> had her 40th birthday. Wow. So then I'm trying to figure out who is the person behind Beyonce because at this point, the person should already be here. Like, we should already be able to identify if, the next, quote unquote, Beyonce. If, if, if we're going to say anybody, if I'm going to say anybody, and keep in mind, like, I'm not the biggest Beyonce fan, but I do recognize how big she is in the world of music. But if I'm going to say anybody after Beyonce, like, scratch out that I said Jay-Z and Lil Wayne is, like, the top in hip-hop because they have, like, kind of claiming status as, like, icons and a lot of people, like, love them. I think Rihanna bigger than both of them. Oh, yeah, of course. Rihanna, too. But then, you know, even still, like, we can make a case for that. When the last time Rihanna had an album? She don't even need one. She don't need one, but we're talking about in the in the vein of musical superstars. You got to have music. Not 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 really. You do. Not in this day and age. Which is another point that I want. I mean, to it's sad, but I, I I'm just telling you, like, which is another point. Like, all you got to do is like make a song. Like, okay, so let so I, I'll say this right here real quick. Uh, every time I talk about this particular person, what's up, midnight? Every time I talk about this particular person I, on social media, because most of the time I just want to say something and just get it out, but I don't want to start a whole conversation with people, so I never say that person's full name. Okay. I'll say it on this podcast, though. Lil Nas X. Okay. Most of the time when I say something about him in the last year or two, I'll put LNX on, on social media. And I'll say this right here. Most people not even really thinking about it. Mm. Lil Nas X this year just dropped his debut album. I think about it. 
So he has constantly been on people's minds. People have been on social media talking about him. He dropped Old Town Road in like, uh, I think they said 2018, late 2017 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was definitely before 2019, the pandemic and everything, because the kids was out dancing to make a video back then. He dropped that song and that's all he had. That's all he had. Then he proceeds to make a EP, which I'm gonna I'm gonna show my age a little bit by explaining to people what an EP is to people. An EP is not the same as what it originally was meant to be. EP stands for extended play. Back in the day, if you wanted to drop some something to kind of generate a buzz, you would drop an EP, which meant that if you dropped a, an album. Mm-hmm. And it was on CD, EP style, or you couldn't skip through the tracks. You couldn't play, you couldn't press one, two, three, I'm going to the sixth track. The EP was supposed to be like six, seven songs strong, maybe, sometimes about four or five. And then you have to listen to it all in one extended play. And so it's like when the first song get done, it just continues, it flows, the album flows as one full track instead of like multiple songs. Nowadays, people drop their EP as a, uh, is you can skip through the songs, but you just gotta, uh, you know, you wanna just drop a few songs to get your buzz going so you can drop your major album, your debut album, because you want the money from the label and the backing behind of it to make your debut album an official album. And I'll tell you this right here, EPs are not, um, you can't get a Grammy from the EP basically. So EPs are literally like promotional tools that people are using to make money off of now because they used to be promotional tools to get a contract back in the day, a record label contract, and now people just use them to make money, to entice the label to spend money on them for their debut album or their next album. And so I'm saying, I'll just say that like Lil Nas X basically dropped that Old Town Road and it had enough buzz for like two, three years, you know what I'm saying? 2018 to 2021 to basically be able to drop an album in 2021, his debut album, and he was able to secure sponsorships, endorsements, label money, all that type of stuff. And why was he able to secure an album that every single song now is on the Billboard Top 100 on this album? Why was he able to do that? Because of everything he didn't do musically. His social media, his endorsements, uh, his visibility, his character, all of that type of stuff. Everybody said that he would be a one-hit wonder, but what he did was took that one song from 2018, 2019, Old Town Road, and he basically turned that into three years of him working on his project in the public eye, and then he drops his album. People were expecting Old Town Road to be on this album right here. It was like, we don't remember him coming out. He didn't have to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, that YouTube video and that song had enough plays, enough buzz for him to just lay low. So now you're looking for the next icon. The icon has changed over the last 40, 50, 30 years, whatever. You don't have to do anything musically to increase your celebrity status and to build momentum around your music. All you have to do is do little things outside of that shit to market and promote yourself and don't have to do nothing with songs. And that's how they do it now. So Rihanna makes enough noise through her makeup company 
makes enough noise by dating uh, ASAP Rocky and taking pictures with that, whatever she's at. And they're gonna live off that last album until it comes. And that's that's the sad world of, of black music now for some people. Yeah, I think that's kind of what makes me frustrated is that you know black music is the catalyst for a lot of our experiences, yeah. relationship experiences, growth experiences as men and women, you know, motivational experiences, like experiences around uh family and friends and mm -hmm. community like everybody's got a song that they can attest got them through something yeah. or they every every you know every um couple's got a wedding song that they identified as like the song that they gonna do for their first dance when they get married and it's just like every time now I go to a wedding y'all still pulling from the 80s like where is the new wedding songs for the children in 2021 and beyond but the game has changed so much since then and it's it, and like you know what i'm saying like really we need to have this conversation we need to have this conversation with like like the industry people and everybody else because it's like you know people like i'll say the most current wedding song that I, that i can say that i probably would that i hear people like want to get married to is like uh that K song, Happily Ever After. Uh, you know, you'll hear that on somebody's wedding playlist. A? Case. Case. The R&B singer. Could it be, be? Yeah, that's old. Happily Ever After. Beyonce was singing, actually singing background vocals and like oh. additional vocals on the song. She did the woman part on that joint. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she did that. And then, of course, it's like all the 80s shit. Maybe you hear Jagged Edge, Let's Get Married. Now, those words might not convey what you really want to mean to your wife or your husband, but you'll hear that, let's get married. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I yeah, mean, Christine Michelle has a nice uh, bop for every time I go to a wedding. What you hear? She, well, she has a song for the girls who, when they dance with their father. Um, so she has like a song like that she dedicates to her dad. Yeah. And like whenever I go to a wedding, that's literally the only song that people play. But those days are gone in the music industry, really, real tough. Because mm -hmm. it's like, okay, people have a single that they drop, and then usually right behind that single is some type of visual, some type of video, or whatever. And we don't get those r&b ballads and um those videos where you yeah. see like people like not kicking it or not in front of the trap house or not just having a whole bunch of candid video of them laying on the couch in some lingerie and something like that is usually what they feel like gonna get played in the club yeah and then the club and the radio determines what they want to release but then like the most beautiful songs okay so like Prime example, one of my favorite songs over the last few years uh, that was a ballad. I was like, dude, why we don't have like, why is this not getting played everywhere? Daniel Caesar and her, best part. That's definitely like a wet, I ain't gonna say a wedding song, but that's definitely like a, you know, a R&B ballad that could probably, I, I feel like it like it's, will be timeless by the end of whenever their careers are. Lots of play though, but did they even have a video to that? 
I don't remember no video from that song. I don't remember either one of them pushing that song. I think people just kind of picked it up. Like, people oh, that, picked it up. Pick, people picked it up and was like, ah, you know what I'm saying? It was like, that's my song. But since it wasn't a single, that was kind of like, oh, well, that just added to like my streams and my listens or whatever. Right. But I'm still going to push my single because why push a song that I ain't put money behind like that? But Daniel Caesar's song was amazing. Whatever whatever the single was with him too. Right. Uh, um, As I see it, yeah, get back to you or something. Like, get back to you, or yeah. You. I mean, that was that was cool. That yeah. was cool, but I'm just saying, like, nobody pushes the R&B ballads anymore. The duet, like, he took that back the to the old old school. Now like, I will give you the duet part. Like, no, that's all the way. From, like, you know, we going back to like Marvin Gaye, Tammy Terrell. You know what I'm saying? Kiki Y come to Little Rock every year. Everybody know her from long as I live. My first love. Do she even have original music that people even know? People still know from that duet. Silhouettes of a perfect frame. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People remember like Slow Jam with Usher and Monica back in the day. You know what I'm saying? People remember Brandy and one yay singing on that one. What was that? One sweet day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? People remember those ballads. I'm like, why people don't want to bring those back like that? You know? I don't know. Well, that's what I guess that's what I'm saying about <laughs> <them>. <laughs> I'm going through my song list. Um, yeah. but that's what that's what I'm saying about the frustrating part. It's like everything sounds literally like it's been created, made, and orchestrated for TikTok. It's like if you just put it on the loop, like we just need 15 seconds of a noise, and then we're gonna just loop it for the next three minutes. And that's what people like. And then that's your song. That's what people like. And then it's like, oh yeah, this new song, so has got a new single. Let's throw it up on TikTok. And no, it's going crazy. Yeah. I was so excited to get my to have my songs available on TikTok. Oh, good for you. But I'm just saying, like. All people want is a minute, 15 seconds, 30 seconds. Oh. That's all they want. And they just want to just, you know, and that's how the songs are being made, it seems like. It's yeah, like, they're getting shorter and shorter. Just catchy, catchy, re- repetitive lyrics, catchy, repetitive uptick beats, and then and then the song ends. And then you're this supposed to carry me to your album? I don't want to say that's what I mean. That's what the people, people that got shorter attention span now. And I feel you, like we talked about the samples, like the whole art of hip hop, I know it's built around sampling. The samples, the beat break, the breakdown, the breakdown is why the break dancers would come out and start break dancing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is like all hip hop culture. It's like you take the part without the lyrics sometimes and you just hear the music and that's when people want to get down. But nowadays it's like everybody, like you said, I turn on the radio. I heard uh, Wakisha by Moneybag, yo. Okay. It's, it samples. I you know, heard this song. You probably have heard it. Oh, it samples. And then most people associate that song with Baby, Give Me One More Chance by Biggie. Oh, yeah. And then they hear him rapping over it, but they don't know that's a sample from DeBarge. Mm. Uh, Stay With Me was the song that they had. Mm. People sampled the bar so much don't even know it. You know, I heard Tank. I love the barge. I love the barge too. Tank 
did his one song where he taking the Maxwell chorus from this this woman's word. Yeah, okay, that was Tank singing it. That was Tank singing it on the radio now. Give me a break. Hey, hey, and I'm guilty of this right here. I did not know that that was not a Maxwell original. Maxwell singing some white girl song from the 80s. Oh. And she don't she sound like she's Cindy Lopper or something because she just sounds horrible singing it. Okay, so Maxwell it. takes it and makes it into his own. Man, you know what I'm saying? Like I heard Juvenile back that thing up on somebody's song like you. I heard Still Tipping on the radio again. Like, it's some dudes that took Still Tipping on Four Falls and remixed it and took the whole beat. It ain't just the sample. It's the whole it's beat. It's the whole beat. He give a shout out to Paul Wall and everything. On that's that. right. Well, at least he getting shout outs. But that's the thing. Like, remember back in the, I was watching, I know we talked about this the last episode, and but I, you know, I was needed, had needed to catch up. But um, I was watching the Rick James documentary on Showtime, and he was livid yeah. when MC Hammer took his sample. But <laughs> before that, before that part, he was mad. He was like this little young boy with these big pants in here. Mm-hmm. With yeah. this, uh, with this, uh, whack lopsided haircut, he wasn't feeling it. It was, he all, was not digging it. It was nobody all, was though. That that was not cool for nobody back then. Yeah, because you didn't steal music unless you had the paperwork to steal it. Like back yeah. then, like you had to be Elvis and the white folks. Yeah, steal it back in the day. Well, I guess it was not even less, less about the stealing part, but I think it was more about like the craftsman part of it. I mean, like, you know, some wasn't there so many artists that was just like, I don't want you taking my, you don't, you don't have a creative license to take my music because yeah. I don't trust what you're going to do. With and see, but that was, that was the part about it right then. Like, People were making music back then and they didn't realize they had the exclusive rights to the music. Yeah. Like nobody could touch it. And that's what changed the industry because it's like when you want to own their music, you give permission for people to use it. Like one one thing that um people don't realize is when you sample music, like um people be like, Why Big Crit mixtapes be go harder than some of his albums if you listen to Big Crit? And it's because he dropped a mixtape which is unauthorized. From the label, and that means that they didn't have to pay to get your sample cleared. Got it. And so he can drop a mixtape with all type of samples, and be like, "Man, it's hard." But then when he drop his album, you'd be like, "Damn, you know, I wanted some of that." Oh, well, his label didn't agree to pay the sample clearance from that. MC Hammer, his label, whatever it was, Capitol Record at the time was like, "We gonna pay for the sample clearance for Rick James Super Freak." You know what I'm saying? And now it's to the point nowadays, it's like you ain't willing to pay for a sample clearance. You might not even want to envision yourself having a label because they're all sampling, and sampling is a great thing. But how hip how hip hop did it? It was like, man, you go listen to an old like an old hip hop record, you be like, man, I love that beat, and you'll see who produces. Oh, it's Q Tip. He might have four or five different samples in one song to the point where you can't even tell he sampled something unless you're just like a real music head. Unless you're just really down in there. And like now, really down in there. Yeah, and now what hip hop will do is just like, I'm gonna take the most familiar song, remake it, cover it, yeah, or just take the whole beat and just redo it just again. Redo it. 
Well, I'm just going to take the whole beat and I'm just going to lay my vocals over top. Look, when I talked about Anderson Pack, yeah. On an old episode, I was like, dude, his first hit was like somebody else remaking his song. I never said the name. So it was this dude named DJ Luke Nasty. He heard Anderson Pack's song, Might Be. And, Girl, you know you might be, huh? which has a, a escape sample in yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? He heard it, was like, I like it so much. And he's a DJ. He's not even really like an artist. He's a DJ. He said, I'm going to just... Uh, redo the song. I'm a DJ. I'm gonna play it at you know. I'm gonna play it on my mixtape and I'm gonna play it at my shows or, or events that I do. He get more love for his version of the song. Mm -hmm. As a DJ, more people knew him. He had a bigger bass. He's his sound class started boom. And so Anderson Pack gets mad. He's like, dude. Who is this dude singing my whole song with my whole sample and everything? And luckily, DJ Luke Nasty knows the people from Anderson Pack label. He just able to be like, you know, by this time, they're like, oh man, you good. Matter of fact, we're gonna help you out with this right here. We're gonna slide you a couple of bread. Hey, we're gonna make sure we pay for his troubles and his how upset he is with that song. So Anderson ain't gonna be no problem. Now we're gonna, you know, get your career going and everything like that. And he had a video before Anderson Pack got a video for the song. So there might be people be hearing that might be they hear that on the radio. Don't I turn you on, girl? All that stuff. And it's not even a song. But that's how the industry works. Buzz, familiarity, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Nostalgia. And it's y'all selling nostalgia. They selling nostalgia to people. And, and, but, the, but the kids don't even know it's nostalgia. Oh, the kids don't know. Yeah, they be hearing this song and be like, man, why such and such stealing his song? No. This person that's 20 years old stole the person's song that's like 45 years old, 50 yeah. years old. I mean, I just recently watched an episode of um, the new Wu-Tang, the Wu-Tang series. Yeah. And they were talking about how RZA or whichever one created the song Protect Your Neck. Yeah. Protect Your Neck. Yeah. And um. It was really cool how they did it because they showed him going to all these different record stores, like trying to find just records. Like mm -hmm. some people he was familiar with, some he wasn't. He was just picking up records, yeah. playing them, listening. Oh, I like the drums here. And they actually like visual, like showed like the visualization of like, okay, when you play this track, this is what the drummer's doing. And then and then they show the whole band and he's like, okay, I like the drums. But like I don't like the guitar. Yeah. Like I like the keyboard, but I don't like like maybe we could put drums that, in from this other from this other sample. That's the producer aspect. And that's the producer aspect, which brings me to another point. Yeah. With the music industry, the producers seem to be the second coming of the superstar. You know, like. Back in the day, the producers wasn't even all of that like visible, you know. I think about um old dude um Salam Salam Remy. Man, yeah, Salam Remy. Uh, he produced Fuji. He produced everybody, basically. Yeah. Fuji's Amy House. Yeah. Um, everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Nice. Okay. 
until two years ago. I still don't know what he looked like. Okay, he on Instagram. He got a page on Instagram now. Yeah. That's the only reason why I know what he looked like because he got a page on Instagram just now. Yeah, but it's like, okay, so like, like you look at hip hop, like the produce, the evolution of the producers, the, the, the DJ has evolved from the DJ to also the DJ producer or just solely the producer because a lot of producers don't DJ. But the DJs were the ones who would find that breakbeat back in uh, Sheik's record or, you know, Donna Summer, Switch, whatever, and the barge back then. They'd find the breakbeat part where everybody would get to dancing. That's why house music was such a big craze because house music was just like a continuous, like, instrumental beat for people to dance to. I love house music. But, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, now the deep, I mean, now the producer uh, is getting more acclaim uh, more and more now in hip hop because they're the ones who are finding the music. But that's the art of crate digging. That's where the whole, like, culture of crate digging comes from. It's like, I'm gonna find a record that nobody's ever heard of before and I'm gonna take the best parts of it to make a song for it. And people are gonna look at it like, man, how did how were you upon this artist? How did you know that this artist uh had like some beautiful music in there that you could like break down into like tracks and then put it into your um put it into your own mix and then make something beautiful out of it, man? It's 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 totally different. It's like you know, so your mind thinks differently when you can actually. Like you talk about RZA, mm-hmm. you can separate the drums, the guitar, the keyboard from the actual song and yeah, just listen song. to and just listen to that. Yeah. When RZA was doing that in the episode, he was breaking down a, a main ingredient uh, uh, song. Main ingredient for people who don't know, they had their hit song was "Everybody Plays the Fool." Everybody plays the fool sometimes, mm-hmm. and that's their hit song. The lead singer of that group is Cuba Gooding Senior. Obviously, Cuba Gooden Jr.'s dad and Omar Gooden's dad too, as well. <laughs> Omar is the peanut. Uh, what is it? Was it Pee Wee or Peanut from a Baby Boy or whatever? Right. Yeah. So they grew up in the entertainment industry. For people didn't know, but you know what I'm saying. Like he was literally listening to that. He had an ear for everything that was going on, instrument wise, musically wise, and to know what he wanted to take from it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's a gift. And also people don't know that a lot of these producers also have the gift of playing different instruments as well too. So they goes a really great example. Yeah. So so you hear the you hear a lot of their original music added on to that. And so like I think now like there's a lot of people who don't really realize how much work went into producing back in the day. Cause you might've heard some samples, but you don't know what they added to it. You don't know what Jay Dilla added to it musically. You don't know what a uh, Q-Tip, Premier, Mad Lib, Night Wonder. Uh, you don't know- DJ Mustard. DJ Mustard. <laughs> that's who you was talking about. Dre and the Dog. You don't know what the Alchemist did. You don't know what these people did to add to their music, man. You don't know what Manny Fresh did, man. You don't know what the Dungeon Family did. You know what I'm saying? There's so many different groups. Did you mention Madlib already? Yeah, I did mention Madlib. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You don't mention, you don't know what these groups have really did and then what they added themselves to spice the music up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You just take what they did and you just flip it. Mm-hmm. And that's a part of hip hop culture. 
But one part you forget about hip hop culture when you do that type of stuff is your history. Because when you do your history, mm. you do the knowledge and you study, you will realize that you have to study from the grace and understand what they was doing in order to enhance your own art form. Totally. Because you can't copy Cat forever. You I won't have no longevity. If all you're going to do is just, you know what I'm saying, re try to recreate hits as a producer, you know what I'm saying? You're going to like run out of stuff that you can sample, man. Way Too Sexy by Drake. Worst single of his career, in my opinion. <laughs> really? In his career, in I my opinion. Man, I'm glad you do. But in my opinion, what it sounds like coming out of the speakers, first off, he 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 sampled a dude that was on One Hit Wonder. And I didn't like that song back then, so maybe that's part of my reason. Uh, yeah. Too sexy for my shirt. <laughs> too sexy for my pants. No, I forget maybe you just didn't like the song. No, it's weak. It's weak to me. It's just weak. His verse is weak. His verses are weak, everything. Well, I disagree. I think that, yeah. and I ain't no Drake enthusiast, by the way, because I feel like I don't think you are exactly. But I kind of thought the way too sexy was. I, I mean, I really enjoy way too sexy. Okay. <laughs> I think it's great. But anyway, back to the point about the producer. Yeah. It was an issue back in the day, also back then too, amongst the real hip hop heads. Because um, the very iconic, um, was it a was it a award show speech? A very iconic award show speech with Suge Knight. Oh yeah. Who was saying, you know, no, it was. They had won like the Source Awards or something. The oh Show yeah. Had won, mm. and Suge Knight was up there in his um. Once again, iconic red suit, red clothes. He's a blood. Talking about how you know if you want to, if you want the producers all in your videos with shiny suits and stuff to and come dancing. on over and dancing to come on over to Death Row. And see, yeah, I mean that was real at the time. At the time, he was referring to um. To, to Sean Combs, Sean Combs, aka Puff Daddy, aka P Diddy, aka Diddy, aka Puffy. He got a new name now too. Mm -hmm. I think he wanted to go by he wanted to go by Love or something now. Man, he can shut the hell up. <laughs> oh, and, I, and, I, ain't, I ain't changed his name again. Sorry. And for I might go back to saying Puff Daddy. Disclaimer. Yeah. I love Puff Daddy. Disclaimer. Love him. You love him. That's what that's that's what this time I have said. Love, love him so much. Nah, Diddy cool man. He got his place in the culture. Uh, but see, we talk about producers, and I don't consider him a producer. You don't? Nah, I consider him an executive producer. <laughs> it's like you work your job and you got an executive director mm. or somebody like that. It's like. They are the person who's in charge of the whole situation, the whole corporation, the whole conglomerate, the whole uh, idea of what we're supposed to do. They're the person that's in charge of that. And they're great. Executive to me just means you're good at delegating tasks. And you got money too. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're good at delegating tasks and you're good at, uh, you know what I'm saying, finding the money to do what we need to do. But you know what I'm saying, you know, 
my deal with, with Diddy, you know what I'm saying, uh, is, you know, recently he made a comment about Jermaine Dupree calling him out for a versus. And, you know, we paid attention to the versus. We talked about it for a few um, months over the last year, you know what I'm saying, talking about how the versus was great for the culture and bringing back people who should be honored and all of that type of stuff. But Diddy's comment to Jermaine Dupree was so disrespectful to me. What did he say? And uh, when he basically, I ain't gonna quote him word for word, but what he basically did was when Jermaine Dupree like called him out for a versus, which people have been doing, you know, over the past year anyway. Sure. He basically was like, hey, you good, my guy? But ain't no way in hell that you could really mess with me in the versus. The only person, and it was funny he said this, the only person who called me out in a versus battle would be Dr. Dre. And I thought it was funny for a couple of reasons. I say this for one. For one, like I said, Diddy is not your producer. Diddy is not Timbaland. He's not Pharrell. He not the Dungeon family uh, team. He not Manny Fresh. He not DJ Premier. He not Just Blaze. He not DJ Quick. He not DJ. He he no. He, don't laugh. DJ Quick is cold blooded. I love DJ Quick. He not DJ Quick at all. He not Night Wonder. Dude, he he ain't Kanye. He ain't Kanye West. He ain't Odyssey. He ain't Odyssey. He ain't a lot of people when it comes to this music making. Diddy is executive producer. And you know what I'm saying? Diddy, Diddy got his go ahead. He produced, he produced Mary J. Blige 411. He produced none of it. He, he, he didn't produced, press no buttons on that stuff. He didn't produce none of um 112. I'm gonna tell you real quick about Diddy, okay? Okay, I'm listening. He's not a producer. When he was when he was hired back in the day, if anybody watched uh what was that? What was that joint? Okay, uh watch that joint about Mary J. Blige and how she got her star with Uptown Records with Andre Harrell. Sure. Diddy got hired not to work with artists. He got hired as a talent scout for Uptown Records back in the day. Yes. But Andre Harrell said, you need to go find your own label, go do your thing. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. I'm sorry. Yes. Because it was because he found Diddy in the office, champagne bottled out with his shirt out. <laughs> he was like, you know what? It can only be one head honcho over here. And it's not you. I'm firing you. Go do your own thing. Because you can't be me up in here. And so what he basically did was found a way to get his own label started through his hard work. And he did that through hard work, but he never had any musical talent. And so basically what he did was he provided the money for different uh, situations for artists and stuff like that. Why? Because ownership is power in the music industry. When you own your music, when you own the label, you own the publishing, that's power. And so, yes, he might have, gave advice to musically to Mary J. Blige, but he never hit a button, never played an instrument for Mary J. Blige. It's all documented. He didn't, uh, he didn't push no button on the Mariah Carey song. Nobody's stuff. He might've came in there and said, turn up the bass. Let's put a hi-hat on that. <laughs> he is producer adjacent. He's executive producer. He's making suggestions. 
It's like me telling the uh, to producer when I'm in the studio, but I already got the beat. Oh man, uh, man, threw a gunshot up in there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's you like it's like box. it's like oh, drop the beat out like Drake do at the end. You know what I'm saying? And you dropped it. You know what I'm saying? You do that. <laughs> He you know, nothing on the, uh... I'm not saying he didn't actually press buttons on everything. I'm just saying that he made like most like it's like when you watch the the uh, the, uh, the movie Notorious. He like man, rap over this Biggie. He tell him to rap over the sample of uh, Juicy by Untume. Mm -hmm. uh, not uh, uh, it's called Good and Plenty. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. and then Biggie turned it into Juicy. He never says the words in that song. But, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, that's what he does. And, and, and that's what some people are good at giving people directions and telling people stuff like that. That's called executive producing. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason why they call him the king of the remix. He hears something that was a hit, and he's like, I can make this into a hit again. And put a different spin but on that's it. that's still the executive production side. The, the executive producer side is I pay for the producers. I pay for your writers. I pay for your album concept. I do all these type of things. I might not do feature. features, all the types. I might suggest features, all the types. I do all this stuff. I might not do all of that at one time. <laughs> but these are some of my these are some of my skills and some of my gifts. He didn't put in nothing with um, Prodigy now. What was the group with Prodigy? Mob Deep? He didn't do nothing with Mob Deep. Not like that. <laughs> Come on, Mob Deep. Mob Deep is legendary. That's Havoc and Prodigy. Havoc is his own producer. He makes beats himself. Havoc produced for other people. He didn't need Diddy to do nothing. But uh, basically, that was disrespect to Jermaine Dupree, who was somebody that, to me, if you look at the videos back in the day, he was there from a long time ago before Diddy. He was a kid pop locking in the freaks coming out at night, the video back in the 80s. <laughs> he had a jerry curl back then. Well, I don't have I don't have a rebuttal. Jermaine Dupree, Jermaine Dupree plays instruments. Yes, he does. He writes. He does write. He produces too. He I've seen him physically he, push buttons. He produces. Video. Then he has a lot of hits and a lot of people he's worked with. For Diddy to say that Jermaine Dupree went on this level was very disrespectful and very, very um, ignorant. Well, maybe, maybe he felt like maybe this was a part of his trash talking and a part of his like, you know, because he's he is the guy of like gimmicks, you know, he knows how to get the people going. Okay, okay. He's the guy of gimmicks, and then he's also the guy that people have consistently said over the years he's messed over his artists. Oh well now well, we've seen that. Yeah. Well know, he wasn't doing nothing over there with Shine and um What? <laughs> Shine I tell you production. He wasn't doing nothing over there with Shine or with um Some about Shine the rapper? Shine. The whole city is mine. Pretty is dying. I don't like the way P. Diddy did shine with different lawyers. He went over there uh, doing something with Craig Mack. Craig Mack got everybody that's an artist from Diddy got something to say crazy about him. How they had to fight out that contract. How they had to pay off their old albums to, to, to like to give them a release from contract. Ask the locks. Ask one twenty. He had. To, I know he was, he was pushing buttons over there with Craig Mack and um, Shine. 
Okay. Show me the videos of him pushing buttons, and I and I'll come back and I retract my statements. And the, locks, the locks for sure too. He was pressing buttons. He had that bit. Elevator buttons. What are you talking about? He don't. It ain't no had to. When you got Diddy got a whole squad of producers called the Hitmen. They featured everybody from Kanye West to Ryan Leslie to Tony Dofat to Mario Winans. He had a crew, an in-house production crew called it called Hitman, which he formed and he took credit for the Hitman's productions a lot of times. So you'll see his name there, but it's a lot of times it's those dudes doing. And I said a Hitman, I mean it was like over 10 dudes in the Hitman crew. The Hitman, you know what I'm saying? And so I say this, I'm saying this to say Jermaine Dupree didn't have all of that to create those records for Chris Cross, for the Brat, for Mariah Carey, mm-hmm. for Jagged Edge, for Bow Wow. He did his work on his own. Yeah. But, well, we think, I don't, I disagree with Diddy. I do feel like he and Jermaine Dupree would be great. They, they, they'll make a great versus. If I was into the verses, I'm not into it no more. I am into it. That's why I like uh, okay, it. Uh, I'm not tired of it. I'm, I'm like, I really want to see like more diversity in the verses. Meaning, um, stop bringing up New York versus New York. <laughs> you just be hating on New York. You know, no, be hating on them. No, New York be hating on everybody else. I love the New York energy. I love. Okay, three in a row. Three in a row. Uh, okay, so we just saw. We just saw. Uh, what was it? Uh, the locks and dip set. Mm-hmm. What was before that? Right. I don't know. It was a whole watch. Okay, but now it's coming up. It's KRS One and Big Daddy Kane. Okay. Before that, it was uh, two other. New, it was Fat. Oh no, Fat Joe oh, and uh and Ja Rule. Yeah. So there's three in a row. Fat Joe, Ja Rule. Nobody's been asking for Fat Joe and Ja Rule. By the well, way, I would agree. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was and then, confused by that. respect to the legends, KRS one and Big Daddy Kane. Yeah. Nobody was asking for that either. No. And, and Dipset and the Locks had a lot of buzz around. Me. I really like that one. I mean, I, that, that was the first one I watched in a long but time. But three New Yorkers in a row. When there's people out there like Jermaine Dupree, like it's people like T.I. But he still bring Diddy from Harlem. Diddy reps Harlem. I mean, at least listen what New York against New York, though. Yeah, that's true. That's that. That's that's the whole energy where like New York is like monopolizing the whole game on that. What's he talking about? He wanted to go against Fifty Cent because it's like they everybody's like reaching out to New York people because it's like that's the best way for anybody to get on there now is to go through New York. Okay, that's what I think personally. Well, Ti could have said that I want to go against Luda. I want to go against Nelly. Nelly. I mean, you know what I'm saying. It, it, okay. it could have been that way, but I'm just saying. New York against New York is going to get old real soon because next thing they're going to say is Public Enemy and Tribe Call Quest or De La Soul Tribe Call Quest or something like yeah. that. Yeah, Buster Rhymes the one already. He going to be next against somebody. <laughs> well, yeah, they should. They should. Diver- I, I, I see in the regional diversity department they need a little help. Mm-hmm. They don't need help. They're just doing what they do. You know what I'm saying? So I just say that. I'm saying, like, people like Diddy got to bow down to the other people in the game and show love and respect. Okay, maybe not bow down. Maybe that's too big of a phrase for some people. But I'm just saying, Diddy should show more love and respect to people who actually have more expertise in the game. We know that you have done a whole lot in the industry. Uh, but at the same time, it's like respect 
the genius behind the technical aspect of things and like the logistics behind all that type of stuff because nobody knows Diddy like I'm gonna go get that hit from Diddy. They just know like Diddy could help me make a hit. Okay. He, ain't gonna, he, ain't gonna, he ain't gonna do the rest of that type of stuff. Well, Diddy, I do feel like you you should go up against Jermaine Dupree. I think that would be I would watch that one. And then even Dre has help from his production team. And I, I don't see it for Dre. I mean, you don't see it. For but Dre is like known as like the producer of producers. That's fine. I mean, I don't have nothing to say about Dr. Dre. Okay. Well, so Diddy, pay the baby her money. Hey, look, all I get, you pay the lady your money, but Diddy. <laughs> Let's stop, let's stop, let's stop. Diddy, just go ahead and give praise to the people that help your career out. Help all your, talk about your, Andre, now both use Jay-Z as ghostwriters. Diddy use Pharaoh Monch as a ghostwriter. Diddy use 50 Cent as a ghostwriter. Biggie was writing rhymes for them people out there too. Let's stop acting like you are just totally self-made and like, let's just say you put yourself around the people that could help you create your mobile status. Bring them to light. Okay, so that's what we should do. Do the thing with Jermaine Dupree. Jermaine Dupree, a soul producer on the song. Did he know how to, did he need to get credit to Devontae Swing from Jodeci? That's the whole, the whole, think about it. The whole, the whole drum bro. I forgot about Jodeci. New, new Jack Swing. When they talk about Army being new Jack Swing, Devontae Swing was the member in Jodeci who was producing for Jodeci that sometimes P. Diddy took credit for. It. It's not called New Jack Swing without Devontae Swing in there. So then Diddy uh, do the thing, do the verses with Jermaine Dupree, <laughs> give the people their accolades and tell give them, their roses. Give them their roses now and don't be over yeah. here uh, showboating and carrying on. I mean, just give them credit for what they did. Say hello to Mace for us, because you know I love Mace, and uh, and Dr. Drake uh, help your daughter get an apartment already, and pay your ex-wife her money every month already. Already, that's all. Like this, that's that is so ordered. Hey, we that's where we at with it. Real talk. Yo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. Um very interesting chat. Yeah, I had to, I had to go ahead and put it out there because I'm just saying, Jermaine Dupree, an arranger, a <laughs> soul producer, a musician, a songwriter, not the same. And an artist cultivator. And an artist. You know what I'm saying? The artist himself too. You know, artist, artist, cultivator, all of that. You know, Diddy, you got to sit there and respect all of that because that's some things that you can't do. And what kind of business and money like that? You are, Diddy to me is not, he's a music mogul, but he's more of a business mogul. Yes, he's a business mogul, but I mean, his business was the music industry. Yeah, and but he found a way to make that without any really like, substantial musical talent himself he found a way to sustain himself as a music mogul because yeah. he don't get mentioned in like you know master p did the same type of things that that diddy did but people look at diddy like longevity wise like he's way 
more ill with it than Master P was. I don't know why Master P, and I, I don't know why people don't like. He's southern not as elevated as Southern hate. Elevated. Southern hate. I'm just telling it you. It could be that. Southern hate. I love Master P. Like Master P, man, he he, so he, he, he did something. One day we're going to have to talk about it, real talk. Yeah. But then I also love people, particularly men from New Orleans. Like I have apparently uh, picked it up, picked up the habit. Like every time I like somebody, I feel like, oh, that person's interesting. Like, I want to learn more about, about this person. They're always from New Orleans. And I'm like, see, this was this part of the problem. But New Orleans is a great place. New Orleans is a great place. place uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I feel like it's a great pace and a great place. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know what I'm saying? You got to, uh, it's somewhere as an artist that if you ain't never been there, you got to go do that. Well, Outside of the um, failing music industry, it's not failing. It just needs to be uh, revived. I'll say okay. it needs to be revived on an artistic level. Needs to be revived. Thank I got to talk about man. Somebody just died, and man, yes. I have to. I got to. I got to give a shout out to you know. What I'm saying I know it seems like almost every other episode or every episode we're talking about somebody passed away again. Oh, it's really sad. It's sad, but I got to give a shout out to, if y'all don't know, my God, man, Melvin Van Peebles, man, he died at the age of 89. Um, Melvin Van Peebles, just, um, man, just a, 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 a pioneer. Yeah. Uh, man, just in this game of the movies and the entertainment industry, man front runner just you know just groundbreaking talent man and uh Melvin Van Peebles that's the father of actor Mario Van Peebles and father of the other children too as well but you know if you don't know who Melvin Van Peebles is man Melvin Van Peebles man actually if you look at the genre of black exploitation and that goes from like uh you know saying shaft the Coffee with Pam Greer, Friday Foster, Superfly, mm -hmm. uh, Dolomite, mm -hmm. you know, all these films from back in the day, what it was called, considered black exploitation. You got to give your respect and due to um, Melvin Van Peebles. Yeah, yeah uh, his, you know what I'm saying, his release of Sweet Bats. Badass song. To this day, man, it's considered like the the forerunner in the genre of black exploitation. Man, you gotta go see Black uh, Sweetback's badass song. You know what I'm saying? It actually um, it, it it's it's so relevant to the day because it's like about a black man who's trying to flee the white police. <laughs> Came out in the 70s. Came out in the 70s. 71, I think. And he did it on his own, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's it, it's like it's like a he's like the, the black superhero that is actually making his way and like outsmarting the cops. And that like so relevant right nowadays because it's like uh with black people in general, you know what I'm saying the cops have been enemies in our communities. And a lot of the times when it comes down to like in the courts and with us knowing our rights, police officers always try to act like they're above us with our intelligence. And so like 
the when we use our intellectual abilities, you know, so that's like our weapon against them because they, they just don't see that sometimes with us. And you know what I'm saying? Like this is back in the 70s, I'm showing them outsmarting the cops and being that, that hero and everything like that. But a few things I want to mention about Melvin Van Peebles, man, like that was just dope about him was like Sweetback's badass song, man, was like so dope and revolutionary because like for one, like I watched the documentary about it and listened to the commentary on it. Like the music on that joint was done by Earth, Wind & Fire. That's the first time oh, anybody heard about Earth, Wind & Fire. And this is like what, uh, the film came out in 1971. Mm -hmm. So this is way before Boogie Wonderland, this is way before September, this is way before uh, You're Shining Star, all that type of stuff. Cool. He, hired, he hired them. But people don't be realizing you if you listen to uh, the music of Sweetback's badass song. Sometimes you be like, "Man, that ain't no Earth, Wind, and Fire." That sounds like somebody that's in a beginning band in middle school playing some <laughs> instruments. And you would be correct, other than the fact that it wasn't somebody in beginning band, but it do sound like somebody in beginning band. It was Melvin Van Peebles. He didn't have enough money to like hire enough musicians, so he got like the like some of the instruments, like saxophone and trumpet. And he was just like, I'm going to play this myself. So he directed the movie, directed played the movie, in the movie. Starred in the movie. Starred in the movie, and then also scored yeah, the movie. Scored the movie. <laughs> he didn't have enough money to like hire musicians for everything. So he just got the instrument and stuff. He was like, I'm going to play this myself, and I'll figure it out. It's going to work in there. So you'll hear some off notes like a mug. But it was like in scenes where like, you could kind of be like, okay, aesthetically, this is like, kind of goes with what's going on. Like things are off for you in this, in this scene. So <laughs> he, the off notes make some sense. But you know what I'm saying? But he did hire Irving the Fire to do like the main score for the film and stuff like that. Uh, man, that was the first, man, this might piss some people off, but that was the first film that Mel, I mean, that uh, Mario Van Peebles was in. And looking at the film, this is gonna piss some people off. This might put him on boosty level with some people. Mm. Like Mario Van Peebles plays Sweetback as a young boy. And then Mario Van Peebles got interviewed like years later and said that like, my first sexual experience was in this movie. My dad wrote it and sent it me for me to have a sexual experience with this grown woman. Oh wow! And she didn't want to call him Sweetback, and that's how he gets Sweetback because he got known for being Sweetback as a kid. Wow! Yeah, problematic. yeah, it was problematic. But I'm saying I gotta say this right now. We talk about it. <laughs> I'm giving I'm giving Jews, and I'm giving some of the other side of it too. This all in this all in the commentary. Uh. He performed his own sexual scenes in that movie too, and it was crazy because he got ins he got insurance from uh he was like one of the first black actors that was uh that was insured by the uh, Screen Actors Guild back in the day. So he was doing his own sex scenes, right? So he had health insurance. He ended up getting the STD from one of the girls that he had a sex scene with in the movie, and you know what? He got paid. <laughs> he got workers' compensation. He, workers comp? he got workers' comp for his for him acting in the movie and him getting the STD. He got paid workers' comp from that. 
And people thought that was hilarious because he was doing his own sex scenes and got STD and then got workers comp for injuring himself on the job. On the job. Yes. This this all sounds very ghetto. But I'm nah, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. So what else? But like back in the day, also with like Melvin Van Peoples, like he was going out and he was like breaking the standard. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to do this black on, I want to do it all by myself. And he was able, like I said, he got insured by the Screen Actors Guild, which was like unheard of back in the day as a, just like a solo black man in your own company. Mm-hmm. And so he was putting out a few movies and things like that. They were literally threatening him mm-hmm. because they felt he was getting too much power as a black producer, director, actor. And so back in the 70s, he ends up uh, tattooing the words cut here on his neck. And you can see it real clear if you ever watch Wastacks the words cut here on his neck. Wow. <laughs> and he basically did that because it was like so many people wanted his throat in Hollywood for him making low budget movies and then turning it around and making them like a big a big financial success. So John Singleton, Mike, uh, Spike Lee, even Tyler Perry, all these people who even Master P, all these, they can even Boosie, because Boosie recently did a low budget movie and is like gaining big momentum and getting the oh. money in his pocket from streams. Oh, wow. He laid the groundwork down for like doing a low budget movie. Like I told you, he couldn't hire like a whole musicians and bands and stuff like that to do his whole film score. He came out of pocket for that and he was able to make a successful movie in a cult classic. You know what I'm saying? But he put cut here on there because like, the white people in the industry, the Jewish people, everybody in the entertainment industry basically wanted him dead because he had found a way to get through in the entertainment system and basically make a profit without any white people seeing like major dollars for it. Yeah. I mean, he really catapulted the black exploitation. It's kind of how it came about though. Like white, I think still feel like white people kind of took it and made it into something that maybe it wasn't necessarily meant to be. I mean, that's one way they're always going to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just his come up story is like, nobody would basically finance this. And he basically had to keep on pitching it over and over and over and over again. And like, the stuff that I was basically telling you about it, it's like, he was forced to do a lot of different things that he may or may not wanted to do to make his movie a success and box office wise. He even borrowed like, you know, Bill, money from Bill Cosby back then to do like his movie and stuff like yeah, that. I heard that too. And it was just great because after that he was able to do so much more. You ain't never seen Sweetback's Badass, so go see that. Also go see Watermelon Man. That should be available on like streaming services too. Uh, that's I don't a, think it is, but I saw it on stream. I saw it on Amazon Prime earlier this year. Hey, was that what? Um, that was on HBO. It's Showtime, matter of fact. Uh, Herbie Hancock named his. Um, mm-hmm. Herbie Hancock got a song called "Watermelon Man." I I think he took it from that. Okay. Well, you know what I'm saying you know, um, man, he's revolutionary when it comes to that, and then the fact that like. Mario Van Peebles came out and did a lot of stuff. Panther also, a Melvin Van Peebles classic. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, the legacy that he has with 
like like I say, black exploitation films, people try to look down on them because of like the low quality sometimes and the bad editing. But you gotta realize <laughs> the wag fight six. The wag fight six, but you gotta realize. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh the block was so crowded by so many white people and non-white people at the time. He created an opening. Yeah. And so the first opening, a lot of times, is not always the most clean cut, but he did it to the day where his movies are still like classics. And so you see a lot of the black exploitation films following after that Absolutely. with like really like you see the beginning stages of like this is my first time doing a full-fledged film. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even my uh What's the guy, man? Gordon Park's son was mm -hmm. even doing a lot of films at the time. Man, they were not the ones that were doing movies. You know what I'm saying? They literally were like, I want to do a movie. And they were they were in the learning process. Like, and he was definitely in the learning process. Because if you hear some of that music that was playing, you'd be like, that's Melvin Dan Peoples. Because that ain't nobody from Mark One and Fire. Yeah. I think that's what's so good about like his story was just that he came. You know, he had an idea, he had a vision, yeah. and he knew he wanted it to be completely different from what was happening currently. And then he, you know, we talk about like the Tyler, we had a whole episode about, about Tyler Perry and his low budgetness. But, you know, a lot of what comes from that is people like talent development and yeah. think about all the people that you, that you employ when you have a vision or an idea to create something in an environment where it's only Black people. Like mm -hmm. that opens up a gateway to so many different things, yeah. and you know, and you you talk about he's learning how to play the instrument. I'm pretty sure his his son learned how to act. So mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure his son wasn't no actor then. All the people that were a part of the, these types of movies, you know, were were gainfully employed. People running the cameras, people doing the stunts, yeah, like all that is employment. And that's uh, to me. That's what the most revolutionary part about that the, that is. The other thing is from that, like you said, his um, his son, which is more notable to most people. Yeah. Um, Mario Van Peebles has gone on to direct and start in some of some of the most iconic movies and films. Um, some of them may be cult classics. I don't know. I mean, yeah, like Mario Van Peebles is somebody that everybody knows. Everybody knows. You know He's worked with everybody in the industry. You know, one of my favorite films by Mario is uh, is New Jack City. Yeah. Um, a really good film, but then it's it's always it's always cool for me when I watch a, a current modern TV show and I see. Oh, like Mario Van Peoples. He's been in the game. He's been in the game since he was a kid. You know what I'm saying? And you know what I'm saying? Like, this is something that, you know, he was making films back in the 50s. They weren't just getting no love. Yeah. But like, you know what I'm saying? On into the 60s. And then Watermelon Man was like his first like big splash on the scene. And then after that, Sweet Back, badass mm -hmm. song. And um, and then he turns don't play as cheap which is actually a play and then it became mm -hmm. like uh a one set movie on a stage whatever like do oh yeah yeah like, like this is was yeah exactly and then you know what I'm saying he he uh he really he really showed people and gave them the blueprint and the game plan on how to do those movies 
after he, you know, saying popped out on the scene. And so like Melvin Van Peebles, like, yo, he was like a straight up rebel in the entertainment industry in Hollywood back in the day. But like, people gotta understand, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't know him or you made a his name before, right. but like these people crawled and walked totally. so you could fly. Totally. And so like, there's no Spike Lee, there's no John Singleton. There's no Hughes Brothers. There's no Lee Davis. There's no Tyler Perry without Melvin Van Peebles, who like laid the game out there, man. You know what I'm saying? Music, acting, cigar connoisseur, all of those things, man. You know what I'm saying? He just did his thing. And he did it, you know what I'm saying, late, late, late in life, man. So shout out to him. R.I.P. Melvin Van Peebles, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was a... a uh, a legendary person and definitely groundbreaking in his artwork. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch. Like, you can't access it. I don't know if it was t- taken down. Like, literally the day that he passed, I tried to watch um, the Sweet sweet Bang. They probably want to make you pay for it now. Yeah, and it's, it was down. I had At least you know, probably, it'll probably, way he handles business, it'll probably go somewhere towards his family. And oh, buy totally. the purchase the stream. Yeah. And I would 100% support it. Like, yeah. you know, that whole, that cause. Most definitely. Well, are we going to do it for ingredients? Let's, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, but I need to get something to put it in. Oh, no, you can just have the can. I'm okay. going to pour it in the cup. Okay, cool. You pour most of it in your cup. <laughs> okay, so we're going to just go right into... Our four ingredients segment, you know, it's one. It's basically the favorite segment of the show. It is because we review a really, really cool beer. We call it four ingredients because it takes four magnificent ingredients to create a beer, and that's water, hops, barley, and yeast. And be on the lookout for as a matter of black first beer coming soon in twenty twenty two. Well, too bad we can't get it fall twenty twenty one. Nah, it's gonna be we're gonna perfect it. We're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna do what Mer- Melvin Van Peebles did. We're not just gonna learn it and put it out there. Black exploitation. <laughs> we're not gonna put yeah. the the first beer might be called a black exploitation though. Ooh, I like that. We might gotta edit that part out. No, we ain't gonna do that. Oh, they're okay. they gonna hear it, they're gonna hear it on here. The black exploitation, black exploitation beer is might might drop because I feel like every beer should have black in it. I agree. And so or something close to something being to black. It. Maybe we'll honor somebody black. It's a beer in um it's off topic, but it's a beer in San Antonio, a black owned brewery in San Antonio, yeah. and they have a stout called Black is Beautiful, yeah. and they actually distribute their stouts all over the country. Yeah. And a hundred percent of the proceeds, like if you buy, you know, the the stout, a hundred percent of the proceeds goes to a organization that's focus is on black empowerment. Or black social welfare in those respective regions. Word. And so every time I go to a brewery in a different city, like if it's like a, if I see the black is beautiful, it's a stout, which is I don't drink those. But for the sake of the cause, hey. I go ahead and throw it back. Throw it back <laughs> one time. Just for the one time though. <laughs> throw it back like an AI jersey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. But today we are drinking yet another sweet water beer. Yeah, what's up? Brewing company, you know, they come out of it, Atlanta. They come out of Atlanta, Georgia. So we got the sweet water, Better Days, kinda sorta IPA with super fruit. 
Okay. It's a 4%. Um, it's got 4%. Oh, it's only got 100 calories, which is good because, you know, just because, you know, I'm over here with a lot of vodka. Light. Uh, lightweight beer for y'all, okay? It says keep your glass full and your head high. As you are sipping on this easy drinking IPA laced with notes of tropical fruit, we're raising the glass with you thinking about better days behind and better days ahead. That's inspirational. Okay, if y'all ain't realized it by now, Sweetwater is encouraging y'all to go ahead and spark and up. The beer. Spark up. You know what I'm saying? That's what they really encourage. Oh, is that what they're doing? 420 beer. You know what I'm saying? Keep your head high, all that type of stuff. Come on, man. I didn't get that out of keep your head high. In 420? In your day. And then, and then they do the other joint. Uh, what, the, what G, the 13. The, the strain. G13 strain? Like, come on, dude. Anyway. That's three times they didn't mention something about, you know what I'm saying, cannabis. <laughs> okay. It's a very pretty color. It's four percent. Five. It's almost close to you saying it's a very pretty color. It's a very nice bud. <laughs> <laughs> Better days, kind of sort of IPA with super fruit. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. What else are you gonna say? Yes, sir. <laughs> this is my favorite part. Mm -hmm. Huh? Oh yeah. Oh, it said it's super fruity. Definitely light, but at the same time, the fruit, um, man, initial, yeah, it, it's like the initial taste of everything. It's like definitely like uh, pleasing to the taste buds. Yeah, it's actually very tasty. I like that it's light, um, and you can actually, you know this is a light beer. Yeah, you're going to know that. Yeah, only 4% ABV, so, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like drinking a Pilsner. Yeah, but it don't have that same taste. As the it doesn't pill. have a Pilsner taste. Man. It's better. Maybe it's what it's called Better Days. Can I do a booze comment? I'm done talking. Go ahead. Real brief. No, nah, make it as long as you want to. <laughs> I just want to talk about why we're drinking beer. I just want to talk about how it's hard to find real beer drinkers in the world. So this past Monday, I'm walking along my neighbor around my neighborhood, like just burning time so I can actually go to a wine event because I do those sometimes. So I'm walking and I pass a brewery, this brewery Flyway, right here on the corner. Great brewery. They have really good beers. They they, they just released a pumpkin or an Oktoberfest. It's good. Um, and they got a really good IPA, and they got another kind of um, another kind of beer. I can't remember what it is, like a, a, a hefeweizen or something. Mm -hmm. Any hoozle. So I'm walking down. I'm walking down the sidewalk, and there's this gentleman sitting outside at Flyway under an awning, chilling. I speak because you know I'm from the south. My mama raised me right, so I just say hello to the gentleman and I keep walking. And then he asks me, hey, you know, you wanna sit down for a minute and have a beer with me? I was like, well, um, I'm kinda on my way to an event, like as, you know, currently. And I was like, but what you drinking though? 
Because, you know, you at a brewery, you at a craft brewery. So I'm thinking, we can talk, like, let's just gauge this, let's just gauge this whole thing before we don't want to get off too deep into it. So let me just ask, like, what you drinking on? He was like, well, I came here and I asked them for a Bud Light. <laughs> they told me they didn't have Bud. I was like, no, nah, they're not going to have no Bud Light in a craft brewery. I was like, so then what'd you get? He goes, well, they told me they brought me the closest thing to a Bud Light. And I was like, yeah, they probably brought you a Pilsner. And he was like, yeah. But I ain't really like it like that. I would have much rather had me a Bud Light. I was like, okay, buddy. Well, you... <laughs> I was like, well, you can get you a I was like, well, you're not gonna get no Bud Light at this place or the other place, anywhere, like anywhere close by, unless you go to like an actual like restaurant that serves domestic beer on tap or in the I heard domestic was like domestic beer. If you need a Bud Light drink. So I was just kind of disappointed because I thought I was going to have a conversation with an avid beer drinker and crack because I, I drink domestics. Um, yeah, I do a little um, I do a little domestic every now and again, but for the most part, I want craft beer. Anyway, I can have a conversation with anybody about beer at any time. But I, I can't, the conversation kind of stalls when you say Bud Light. Because I can't, I mean, you talk about how you couldn't, you can't even have, you can't even talk to me about nothing else because you was upset about a Bud Light. I know that man gave you a Pilsner because that's what a Bud Light is, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> man, I ain't had a Bud Light in like, man, I ain't had a Bud Light since Obama been in office when he was in office, probably. I think a Bud Light is a Pilsner. I probably had one. But I, it was forced on me. I didn't ask for one since Obama been out. Let's say that. Well, anyway, I just was very sad, and you know, and just I just all I want in terms of what this Louise corner is about is just I just want to have conversations with just people that I meet about beer. Already, so like, let's put it out there. What's the what's the email address? Um, it's a a m o b. A A M O B Pod. Mm -hmm. Right? P O D. <laughs> A A M O B Podcast One at gmail.com. A A M O B Podcast One at gmail.com. The number one. Already. So, like, if you a craft beer sipper enthusiast or aficionado, I say, uh, hit us up and then tell us where to meet you at or tell either one of us where you want to meet us at. Some of y'all might want to really hang with Booey and don't want Bali around. Right. Which is fine. Okay, cool. Go ahead and do it. But make sure that <laughs> either one of us is going to a place where we like oh. legit craft beers. Apparently, Bud Light is a lager, but it's a light lager. Man, look. Which I'm I would never have guessed. Man, it's been, I, I haven't paid attention. Last time I sipped the bud, like, I did it to make my uncle comfortable around me. Because he was like, man, we're going to go ahead and drink. I'm like, yeah. Okay, well, at first I thought we was going to have, like, 
some uh, whiskey or something like that, he go get like he country, so he go get a big pack of Bud, <laughs> Bud Light. And I was like, uh, piss water, okay. <laughs> Apparently it's a lager, which I like lagers, but, but I mean, it's it, it, very light. light. It's very light, very light lager. But all I'm saying is like, yeah, I, I sipped it with them, and I was just like, I can sip these all night long and not really be phased by. Not feel anything, yeah. uh, except a um, bloating in your stomach. But you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to a pee every once in a while. <laughs> so, where would you like to have this beer? This um. Kind of sort of IPA, where would you say would be the, the better, better days, better days? Yeah. Uh better days. Uh I say this right here. The better days is pretty decent and uh you know so not my favorite IPA. But what I would do with this IPA right here is like, you know, for all y'all people who love to invite uh men to y'all baby showers <laughs> and gender reveals, <laughs> better days are ahead. And so like Sit them outside and let them get a let taste of this better days kind of sort of IPA. And guess what? After it's over with, and they had a few chicken wings and maybe meat some balls. of y'all uh, meatballs and some of y'all deviled eggs and stuff like that. It's going to be better days ahead. But you know what? Maybe general reveals and baby showers aren't that bad after all. But better days kind of sort of IPA by Sweetwater. All right. All right. And I want to say shout out to, you know, saying the Godfather of Black Sportation, mm. Melvin Van Peebles. Go, I say, look, my three that I, my four that I love for y'all to see, go see. Panther, number one, go watch Panther. You want to learn about the Blank Panther Party? That's going to be like one, um, partners you should definitely go see that because it's not biographical but the movie <laughs> the movie wise like you know say so you're gonna do some things movie wise you know so you got to see the black power mixtape you want to go watch some documentaries movie wise this is the one you got to see panther by melvin van peebles go see watermelon man that is like that's a white man waking up one day and finding out that he is black in America and seeing the difference in how he's treated in America by him being a black man. And that was made like in the early 1970s too as well. Uh, Fleabag's badass song, cult classic, go watch it. Earth, Wind & Fire's first time being a film scorer. First time Melvin Van Peebles gonna pick up an instrument and actually try to play it. Uh, first time we see a black hero uh, actually like beat the cops and survive. And uh, don't play as cheap. I mean, for black people, I don't know if y'all ever saw a movie or a film and uh, saw a stage production being made into a movie. That's that's the Tyler Perry way. That's the way it happened. I don't know, black, besides don't play as cheap, I don't know if black people ever saw a movie production made on a stage and they go from there. One set the entire time. Don't Play as Cheap is groundbreaking with that. Mm. And uh, Melvin Van Peebles, man, he was, man, you know what I'm saying? He's so much more. Go read up about him. That's all I can say. Okay. 
Yeah, rest in peace to him. Rest in peace to him, man. Definitely, like I said, legend. Man, well, you know, everybody just kind of do what you can and keep your head up. We're coming into the um the fall and the winter months, and you know, it's some seasonal depression and stuff, and everybody's all this caring all going on. So right. just take care of yourself as much as you can, you know, get outside, get some sun, be around your friends and the people you care about and you love. Um do what do what makes you happy, have a lot of fun, drink a lot of liquor. Um, and eat a lot of food. <laughs> and listen to As a Matter of Black. Love you too much. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Yay, we finished.